Welcome back to Bible Love. We last week wrapped up the book of Esther, and so we're going to dive into a conversation about Scripture in general in just a second. But this is the second week of Advent, and so during this season, our prayer each week will be the collect from that Sunday. So let us pray. Merciful God, who sent your messengers, the prophets, to preach repentance and prepare the way for our salvation. Give us grace to heed their warnings and forsake our sins, that we may greet with joy the coming of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So we are joined today by um, my good friend, Tamara Plummer. She, um, this is payback, I think. She had me on as a guest for her podcast, Pursuing Call, um, where she talks to folks about how they feel called to whatever. I think I'm one of the few priests that you've had on there, right? No, or, no, I, I have a lot oh, of you've had other friends. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. You, gotcha. I just know that you're sometimes questionable about whether priests are actually worth it, which <laughs> I think I, I would agree with that statement. Uh, Tamara and I met through some of her work in asset-based community development and disaster recovery, all sorts of things. And she has become a good friend and colleague and, I think she is one of the gems in the Episcopal Church. And we think a lot alike. We like the church enough to tell the truth about the church. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe today we like the Bible enough mm-hmm. to tell the truth about the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that's what we're going to get at. So, Tamara, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so, so much. So we've got some truth tellers on today is what I'm hearing. I like it. I like it. So we just had a whole conversation about whether um, Mary was sexually active. Yeah. Um, And then I was like, come on, let's get started, (laughs) y'all. And and Tamara, I think you're going to be, I'm so excited um, to have you because Alan will tell you, sometimes I'm the like glass half full one of this group and I need some truth telling. So you need it, you need it all. You need it all. And that's why it works. So, but um, I'm excited about the truth telling and um, excited to hear just like when you think about the Bible and it's, it's, um, its presence in your life. Um, what are, what are a few things that kind of spark with you when you think about the Bible? Well, I'm Episcopalian. So, uh, uh, most of my life, my Bible has been the lectionary and nothing else. Mm -hmm. Um, I would go to Sunday school, all that stuff, but often even in Sunday school, we're reviewing the lectionary. So for most of my life, the Bible was like a thing that my mom had in the house. She quoted scripture. She grew up Caribbean. So, they, in their schooling, they actually have to learn Bible verses and things of that nature. So I think for my family, they knew way more about the Bible than I ever did. Um, but for me, especially since seminary, the Bible, and as I've gotten older, I've, I was like the kid that tried to read the Bible from beginning to end, and I never got past like Genesis 1-1. Also, the Bible was a form of torture at, at, at Christian camp. So if no, if you wouldn't go to sleep, the, the, um, counselor would read you in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was out form and void and darkness was in the place of the deep. I know this because she repeated it over and over again until you went to sleep. Yeah. So yeah. 
it's yeah it has changed and evolved over time now that's sure. really interesting. I'm curious about your background. Y'all are both cradle Episcopalian. You, Mary Balfour, a church in the South. You, Tamara, a church decidedly not in the South. <laughs> no. So probably two. And, you know, I grew up in a pretty conservative evangelical tradition where like memorizing scripture is something I did, like the Bible. Like what what was Sunday school like for you? Was it really the lectionary or did you have like flannel board stories of like you learned the greatest hits? Mm. No, our priest was not about the flannel board, godly play, made up story world. He was not going to do that. So most of the churches, I don't know if you had this, but uh, it was called Good News or something like that. It was a, a, a booklet <laughs> and it basically had like a cartoon version of that week's Bible story. And it had a whole curriculum to it. And as a, when I became a Sunday school teacher for like two seconds, um, it had like the instructions of how to go through it, but it was related to whatever the lectionary reading was that week. And it was like, it was age um, specific. So uh, they had an adult version all the way down to kindergarten pre-K ages. And so it was this good news Bible or something. I forget what it was. Yeah, I, I remember that very fondly. I mean, same, the same exact thing. I, my, my memories of Sunday school have nothing to do with the Bible. They have to do with that, you know, the real live piggy banks that like mm. the pig with that were the piggy banks. Like I, I remember learning about giving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had of, Sunday school envelopes and then the Sunday yeah, school gave their, versus, their collection. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Versus any kind of Bible story. And I agree if there was, it, it had everything to do with the lectionary. Um, and, and so that's even in the Episcopal church in the South, that was the same thing. When you said, I think it is called the good news. We'll have to, we'll have to Google that (laughs) if those things are still around. And I'm proud that the church, I feel like has moved forward in that, in our Sunday school teaching that, you know, we have got things like, um, the catechesis and godly play and those kind of things that really do help children understand what these stories are. Maybe they're a little bit fluffed, but at least they're learning about those things that I don't even really remember learning about. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, high school, Sunday school was actually just a place for social commentary questions. Like I remember right. talking about um, AIDS epidemic or like, what is this Trinity thing? Like, is that real? You know, just kind of those, those bigger questions, probably ruining my Sunday school teacher's life. <laughs> but so a question about that, like, do you, like, I love those types of conversations. We have them with our youth as well. Do you feel like that was what should have happened? Do you wish you would have learned more Bible? Where do you come down on that? I, I don't know. I, maybe because I'm Episcopalian, I just never thought that the Bible was something that was this, like, my mom would always make a joke. They think that is of, particularly of your peoples, the evangelicals, they think God just picked pot, a pen on Putin hand and start right. Like, like she was like, nothing goes that way. Like Jamaicans would say nothing, nothing goes like it does not go that way. Uh, and so it was never a quintessential part of our training in, in Christian formation. I think that is a missed opportunity, particularly when I was, when I started to be in contact with people across various kinds of Christianity. And I started to come out as a Christian in, in 
conservative spaces as a progressive Christian. Like I moved to the Midwest and I think if I had had more Bible under my belt and really understood it as a historical theological space where people are grappling with what the divine means for them and how they should be in relationship with each other based on what the divine is saying, I would have had better um, weapons or better, not weapons, that feels very warlike, but better information to engage in those conversations in a real way. When people are throwing Bible verses at me, I'd be like, I don't, I don't know. So, yeah. Such an excellent point. And I think it also like brings us to today sometimes because we don't know what we're talking about. And so we do, as your mom said, you know, just say, oh, well, God said it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we just believe it. And, and we don't really um, take the time to study it. Honestly, until I got to seminary, I don't feel like I really, really, really studied the Bible. And it was the class. Those were the classes I was the most intimidated by as an Episcopalian, just Mm -hmm. because I didn't feel like I had that background the Mm -hmm. way that I needed to. I can remember like going and watching all those like, you know, what's that Charlton Heston Moses movie? Like just trying to like have some like, what I'm talking about somehow, you know, um, Cause I just didn't know. And I think we missed an opportunity and maybe the world might be a little bit better place mm-hmm. with our conversations that we desperately need to have if we weren't throwing swords at each other and we really truly understood the Bible. What do you mm-hmm. think about that? Um, I think also because we act like, okay, so my favorite part of, of OT or uh, Hebrew Bible um now I went to union, so our Bible classes were a little different, mm-hmm. um, but the, the Jewish tradition of arguing as a spiritual practice, like when that came up, that in Judaism, it is in the arguing and the grappling with it's, 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 it's not that we're arguing because we're trying to prove we are right, but mm-hmm. to get a deeper sense of what the divine might be up to in the text. And that that is a holy act. That's what I wish I had space for that is so awesome to think of it that way you just made this glass half full person really (laughs) happy because i think we do think oh arguing arguing we can't do that we can't challenge each other that's just gonna i just won't say anything i'll keep my mouth shut but if you look at it in that holy space in that holy way of not trying to better each other but just to learn and love we might get somewhere Mm -hmm unearthing there's a deeper truth here and what happens if I enter in a, in a curious way, but also like in Judaism, some of the, the rabbis and stuff, when they're arguing about texts, they're, they're rough. Like, you know, it's not, it's also not nice and lovely, but it is, but the intentionality is always about a deeper understanding of the divine because it is great. It's so much greater than we might uh, put limits on what the divine can do is doing and so this allows us to to expand our limitations. That's awesome. I, I think about people we've had, you know, Jenny, Ian, people we've had on the podcast, people that I wrestle with, not because we disagree about something, mm-hmm. but because they're people that I feel safe doing that back mm-hmm. and forth with the text. You know, what are you hearing in this? What are you, And like, we can play devil's advocate and all of that. And you, you said, be curious. World Cup's going on. Got to throw Ted, Les, Ted Lasso out there, right? Like his... Ted Lasso, his thing, when you approach life, be curious, not judgmental. Mm-hmm. I think that definitely applies to scriptures. We can look at scripture and let me grab my Bible and be like, 
oh, this says X. And so obviously these people are sinners and, mm-hmm. and I'm the in group. Well, you know, as we figured out, we've been doing this for two years or whatever. And we're not like halfway through the old Hebrew Bible. And as we look at it, it's not as simple as like, these are the good guys. These are the bad guys. No. Even the people, even the people of God, the Jewish people, like they admit their flaws and they're like, we're really mm-hmm. screwed up. And maybe that's mm-hmm. why bad things keep happening. Mm-hmm. That's an understanding of God that we're working to unpack. <laughs> like that's how they understood it. Yeah. So even for them, there was this idea. It's like, we got to maybe think a little more deeply about this. Right. And then what's the deeper knowing? Because if we think about anybody who's written in their diary, like in some ways I think about it as a dude writing in his diary. Right. So um, the big, the big one for me too, is the the trauma informed reading of the Hebrew Bible and the Hebrew scriptures as a people who were under um, the powers and principalities of Babylonia of Rome. And then that creeping back into the text and the ways that that comes back into the story, David Carr's big on trauma in the Bible. Um, and so if you had a rough day or your ancestors were enslaved people, how you write a story about enslavement is going to be much different than if you were writing as someone who had never really had that experience. Um, and so that's like, if, if we're like, it's not just what, what's the text, but I wonder what that person was going through when they were writing. <laughs> and story. I think that's the part we miss so much, right? Is that, we just want to read the text and we forget to think what was the mindset behind that? What kind of person was this? What kind of trauma had they been through? You know, all of that. Um, I was talking to someone recently and they were talking about um, a priest who had just preached and they, the, this priest ended up preaching on the gospel and, it, but also Thessalonians was one of the readings that day. And they're like, Oh, they missed such an opportunity. They left Thessalonians on the table. And I'm like, but you have no idea what was going through their mind when they were mm-hmm. writing the sermon. Like mm-hmm. it's not that they left Thessalonians on the table. It's that God was in that moment, in that person, in that experience at that time. So who are we to judge that they didn't do something that you thought they should do. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Also, it'll come back in three years, so don't worry about it. it yeah, you're going to hear it again. <laughs> but, also, but I think it speaks to what you're saying is we have to think about who, where the person is when mm-hmm. they're doing, you know, and their mindset and their background and what their experiences have been. I mean, we have three very different people on this um, chat right now. And I think that if we were all given the same text, I guarantee you, Three very different things would come out, not one better than the other, Mm-mm. all important. And then tomorrow we'd all have a different interpretation. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So a question for you, um, Tamara. You grew up, the churches you grew up in, they were predominantly African-American, mm-hmm. Afro-Caribbean, right? Mm-hmm. And if you think about like the, the African-American preaching experience, it's something different than what Episcopalians are typically used to. Maybe oh, not no, they the- preached like Episcopalians. Did they? Okay. That was my question for you. Was it, you know, <laughs> the topics were probably more, more about black liberation. Um, my majority of my life. One point. Right. But it's still, it, yeah, we don't do those 15 minutes. I mean, we didn't go to the church. There are many churches in Brooklyn where people preach for a lot longer than 15 minutes. I don't tend to go to those churches. Um, <laughs> I remember but, we would go to Baptist things and be like, 
why is this? I was like, mommy, what is going on? So, yeah. I think it goes to what Mary Balfour was saying. It's like, sometimes we preachers want to squeeze everything in, mm-hmm. right? Versus saying, like, what's the one thing right now? Right. And I know that three years from now or you know, it's going to come up somewhere else in scripture. Can we just focus on one thing versus we got to talk about everything that Matthew and Paul and David were trying to say on this one day mm-hmm. and tie it all together. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I fall into that too. Like I remember when I first started being asked to preach, I would try to put, I would do like a whole curriculum in 25 minutes. And I was like this, and I was like, Oh wow, I preached way too long. <laughs> Well, can I ask you another question? Like in your life as a theologian and your experiences and what you do, like what, how do you use the Bible? You know, like I might do morning prayer and then go and take the the readings that were there and, you know, dig a little bit deeper. Of course I do. I know you do this too. You use what's there in front of you for your sermon writing, but where, where is it? Is it in your life on a daily basis? I can't say that it is all the time. Um, no, it's, it's really not. It sits somewhere close by. Usually actually my shortcut to the Bible, which I think most Episcopalians have as their shortcut to the Bible is called the book of common prayer yeah, right. because actually I didn't not realize how much Bible was in the book of common prayer. I, know, right? <laughs> I think that is also a failed uh, Say it again for the people in the back, please. There's so much Bible hear. in the Book of Common Prayer. Like there are moments where all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wait, that's a Bible pass- passage that got written a little differently as a prayer. Um, and so I probably go to that as my default. And then that might be a reference that helps me get to a Bible passage. Uh, mostly I only really use Bible these days when I'm at work and I'm going to do a training and we have to do Lexio Divino. We do Lexio Divino a lot to start our training. So that has been a big one. The other one is when I'm, my mother is arguing with a family member who is a little more conservative about religion and she'll say something about Bible uh, a Bible story. And my cousin's like, well, you know, the fall of Lucifer. And I was like, there's no Lucifer in the Bible. My mom's like, wait, what? I said, there's, there's no, that's, that's, that's Dante's Inferno. Mm-hmm. So somehow that's got put in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> right. So usually it's, it's when I, I have to uh, defend my positionality or to tell somebody why they're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you like me when you were in seminary? You loved the Bible classes. I loved it. You didn't feel like you had that as much growing up. Mm-mm. And also just like mind blown. First class, Old Testament, then now called Hebrew Bible. Uh, David Carr breaks down the creation story. He was like, so this first creation story. And I was like, wait a second. Oh, there really are two whole creation stories. Never really noticed that. And he talks about the Genesis 1 uh, ways in which it, 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 it aligns with the creation of a temple space and the creation of the world is the creation mimics the creation of a temple for Jewish people. And I was like, so the whole world is a temple. Mm-hmm. Hold on. I gotta, I need to come back. Like, yeah. Give me a minute. Uh-huh. Give me a second. Yeah. This is a whole new way of thinking about care of creation. Like, it's amazing. Those, those are the, that is the part of, of Bible seminary life that I wish every lay person could have access to. Absolutely. Because some of my classmates were challenged by things like he would ask us to rewrite our own um, 
psalm or rewrite a psalm in our own experience and words. And I had classmates, particularly from more traditional backgrounds where the Bible is more literal, thinking that this was sat, like this was satanic behavior. Like this was just not acceptable, like left seminary because it was not acceptable to them mm-hmm. that this was being asked. But I think those exploratory relationships with the Bible are things that I miss now that I'm not in seminary anymore. And I want to figure out how do I do that in my regular life? So if I could have a practice, it would be nice to think about how do I rewrite this psalm or how do I, how do I rethink about this story that I have been reading at every Easter vigil my whole life? Yeah. Yeah. So in the spring, we are going to be spending a lot of time in the Psalms. Mm-hmm. And yesterday, um, some really kind of hard news kind of hit this little town I live in in South Carolina. And um, somebody said, I'm just really mad at God right now. And I got I one for you. <laughs> well, I was about to say, tell me what you think about that. Cause I was thinking it's okay. The Psalms are like full of that, you know, yes. for it, you know, yes. and I think somebody thought I was like being sacrilegious because no. I said that. So tell me what your thoughts are on that. No, I, this is like the best thing about just take them to a rabbi. The rabbi that came into lecture on the Psalms was he, his whole thing was every human emotion is in the Psalm. Mm. So because God can handle it. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There is no praise in that Psalm. Psalm 22, ain't no praise at all. Lament Psalms. Just like, screw you, God. I don't like you. Don't talk to me right now. We are not friends. What is wrong with you? Okay, maybe you're good, but I don't see that right now. So please leave me alone. <laughs> all over the Psalm. Isn't that so interesting? Then you go right to Psalm 23. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're like, what? It's like a train wreck going on right there, you know? But I'm I think that. that's the trajectory in there. I mean, right? Like even when David or the psalmist or whomever is like pouring his heart out and pissed at God and all of that, there's still this undercurrent of I'm mad right now. Yes, I know the bigger story intellectually. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, how many times do I feel like that? And, Mm -hmm. you know, am I hesitant to actually be honest and say, God, this really, really sucks. Mm -hmm. Um, I just recently read uh, Matthew Perry's from Friends, his uh, autobiography, and he's a deist of some sort. He's never really explicit. And he struggled with addiction. He's had all these things. And he has a quote in there um, says, yes, I believe there's a God and most of the time I'm grateful, but sometimes I'm really pissed at God for making my road so hard. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. that that's honest. And that's biblical, right? It's you very know, biblical. Matthew Perry maybe had a hand in making his road hard, but <laughs> like we can believe both of those things. I think too often we, me feel like if I'm mad at God, then I'm lacking in faith. Mm-hmm. Right? Or it's like, actually, I think it's a sign of faith to understand God's big enough for me to get pissed. Like right. when my boys are mad at me, like I'm glad that they can be honest and like be mad at me because they know like I'm still here. Right. I mean, if you're, I wouldn't, if I stopped believing in God, I wouldn't be so angry. It would actually be a relief. Like <laughs> there's no yeah. reason to yell at somebody that you don't want to be in relationship with. You're so right. Excellent point. 
I'm going to remember that the next time somebody yells at me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes people are just cruel, but I'm, I think about dating when I am ending a relationship, I no longer have words for you. So <laughs> right. we no longer fight and that's how you know it's done. Yeah. So. Yeah. Watch out. <laughs> no, I totally agree. Cause sometimes that does happen and, and you have to like, remember you're the safe space and that's yeah. one of the reasons they do, do, you know, and God is that safe space and, and we forget that sometimes. So when that person said that to me, I was like, you go right ahead. It mm -hmm. is okay to feel every feeling you're feeling right now. Mm -hmm. And you do get the bigger, they do get the bigger picture. I right. know. That. Um, but in the moment we have to do what we have to do. Um, I do want to talk about the NT just a tiny bit. Yeah. Um, and cause it, even this is our chance to talk about the new Testament since we've been talking about the old Testament on a weekly basis so much I'm the in-between times. I'm always like, let's just get a minute of the new tea. Um, and so, um, talk, talk to us about some of your favorite parts or some of the favorite things or some of the things that you are like, I can't believe this is in the Bible. Well, so here's the moment that really ruined me when I took a new Testament. That Paul is basically the creation of Christianity and this like man who was struggling with his own guilt around murdering people is the center of our faith. <laughs> I was, my mind was blown <laughs> in a way that I, I was like, I don't think we should trust any of these books anymore. And also my favorite book though is Acts because as someone who was denied ordination, so was Paul, the first one. So, and he becomes the center of all of Christianity yeah. because his books inform the gospels. And so realizing that the Pauline got, uh, scriptures were written before the New Testament, the gospels and how much they were informed by what Paul had to say. I just want to say to all lay people in the world, uh, if you ever got denied ordination, you could be the center of Christianity. So yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I, I think you're so right. We have kind of a love hate relationship with mm -hmm. Paul, right? Like we're like, what's going on here? This is crazy. Um, so I, I get it. I appreciate that. I don't know how I feel about Paul too. I mean, sometimes I'm like this incredible sinner was loved by God and, and showed people Jesus, but golly, he did a lot of bad stuff to get there. You know, and he's complicated and problematic it's and really has these like, really um non-nuanced relationship with a god like it's like good bad <laughs> sometimes and i appreciate his rootedness in community and the whole new testament rootedness in community is helpful uh every time people say that well the church you know like we argue too much or whatever i'm like did you read acts it's right. not been going well since the beginning so this is not new stuff, friends. It's not, we've been trying to figure out how to be in relationship for two thousand years. Over, so it's fine. It's fine. It, yeah, I, I I could not agree more. And I think that's been one of my favorite things about this podcast is that when we're going through the stuff in the Old Testament, like I can still see so many things that are still happening. And when people are like, "Why are this happening?" I'm like, "This is not news. Like mm -hmm. this stuff has been." And we never figured it out. You know, we got some help with Jesus. We believe that as Christians, you know, but we're still at it, you know. Mm -hmm. So still trying to figure it out. And the New Testament sometimes is helpful. Sometimes it's actually worse. 
But if you read the if you read the letters as actual letters and not as doctrine, I think the 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 danger of the Bible for me is when we read it as doctrine and not like it is a I think Bishop Shuri said this when she was talking about uh the split over the gay marriage stuff. Um and she said we are in a, a the our our relationship with God and discerning what God is asking us to do is did not end with revelations. We are in a continual understanding of how God wants us to be and do in the world. And that is to me the best way to think about the Bible. What were they thinking about? If we read it as historical record of how people were grappling with their faith, it helps us to understand how we can grapple with our faith in our world today um, rather than as, and it has some lessons to teach us, but why is that any more powerful than reading um, Martin Luther King speeches from a Birmingham jail? Like I, I wish the canon could be more open there to a Mondangose Adichie. Like <laughs> there's plenty of people out here who have written books, Audrey Lord um, that, also offer us some lessons. And so expand your canon, read your Bible, and also expand your canon. Wise, wise words. Thank you so much for giving us just, I feel like a a new thought-provoking perspective when we're reading this. Um, It's not new maybe to Alan and I, but maybe to some of our listeners it is. And I think it's just always so great when there's another voice that can help lift that up. So Tamir, I really appreciate that. So, I thank you both so much for having me here. This has been yeah, fun. The time goes fast. Doesn't yeah. It? Yeah. Thanks be to God for you and your ministry and listeners. Remember that we love you, but most importantly, God does. <laughs>